listening to the quarter to three games podcast my name is tom chick and my game of the week is not dune wars and i am jason mcmaster and my game of the week is most definitely not all right wait for it (laughs) the suspense is killing me mcmaster you're just gonna have to wait for it Oh, this is terrible. Can can we guess? Should oh, listeners yeah, you can, send in their you guesses? You can guess. Yeah. I could tell people next week, in fact. <laughs> I'm guessing that your game of the week is not uh, Hexen 2. That's close. My game of the week is actually not Pocket Heroes. I really do not want to play Pocket Heroes. So uh, yeah, we were where were we? we were doing some Guild Wars, and you were occasionally berated for not taking your turn. Other people that were playing with us in a group were berating you for something about pocket wars. What's yeah. going on there? Uh, it's uh, it's not even that so much as that game just takes forever. Uh, it, people, it just takes forever. I think I'm on like turn twenty or thirty or something after like a couple of months. So this is a an iPhone game, right? Is it the one that Dave Perkins was telling us about? I believe so. Well, no, it's Chaplin. Oh, Chaplin. Okay, so our friend Rob was telling us about Pocket Wars. It's an iPhone game where you take a turn once every three weeks to move your ranger out of the tavern into the dungeon, that kind of thing. Right, and uh, I feel bad because I'm sure I'm holding the game up, or someone's game up or something, but oh man. It's just, it drags and drags, kind of like our current game of Lavra. Lava? La Havre. Oh, <laughs> Uh, La Havre is supposed to drag. It's a Euro game. I don't know about Pocket Heroes, though. No. Uh, So, okay, so those are not our games of the week. Uh, And in related news, um, uh, the Dune Wars Tom vs. Bruce is now live, so I would invite folks to check that out at Tom vs. Bruce. And I don't know if that's a spoiler, but uh, Dune Wars is not my game of the week. McMaster, let me just run this by you. Okay. Let's say that you and I were going to take turns... Like running a country, okay? <laughs> now, let's say that every few years we, we, we hand off running this country. Uh, and as this country builds up a history and as we're, we're running it and as we're building new things and expanding and doing diplomatic initiatives, I am, and I don't mean this to brag, but let's just imagine that I am a little bit better at it than you are. That oh, maybe, I'm sure you would be. Yeah, so let's imagine that maybe after 10 years of us running, uh, you know, let's call it... Uh, Chick McMasterville, that maybe after 10 years of running it, I advance it, like the the GDP, like by $10 million, but after 10 years of you running it, the GDP advances only maybe by $2 million. So naturally, over time, one might deduce that I am a better leader than you, and there's no shame in that. Different people have different levels of ability at different things. So you and I are running this country. Uh, you know, it's advancing in fits and starts, basically as we go along. But then at some point, you 
Jason McMaster, do a terrible thing to our country. You get us involved in this war with someone who we cannot win against, and this person begins to destroy our country. And right at the height of us being slapped down, your term of office ends, it goes over to me, and it looks then like I have lost the game because what you started destroys our country on my term. Now, I ask you, is that fair? You know, I I know what you're referencing. So, uh, yeah, I do question the fairness of that. Thank you. That's all I needed to know. So, on that note, you may everybody listening may disregard the first Tom versus Bruce as far as establishing anything about whether or not Tom Chick or Bruce Garrick is better at Dune Wars two, or Dune Wars, not even Dune Wars two. Just wanted oh, to yeah. throw that out there. Uh, also, another news, uh, McMaster. I don't know if you know this. I think you do. You mentioned this. Uh, Quarter to three is now uh, on Time.com's list of, I think, like the 50 most interesting sites or whatever. Like we, We're on this really cool list. Uh, we were recognized as one of their uh, notable gaming sites. So what that means, McMaster, uh, no more joking around. We now have right. to be totally serious, like no no fart references, no, no more existential knock-knock jokes, for instance. Now that's a shame. Yeah, because uh, you know, and in case you're listening, you don't know what an existential knock-knock joke is. Let me just give you an example of what we can't do now that we've been recognized by time. Ready for this, McMaster? I'm ready. I'm ready. Knock knock. Who's there? Hey, man, it's Tom. What are you doing? Oh, not much. What are you doing? I was just uh, I, I went to Best Buy and I got this Blu-ray of uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Do you want to do you want to watch it? Yeah, sure. I like that one. Okay, let's uh, let me put it in your. Uh, your PS3 here. Oh, yeah. oh, God, McMaster, when's the last time you updated this? Look at what it's downloading. Oh. Gosh. That's the PS3 for you, famously. Now, we got to wait for like 15 minutes before we can watch Search for Spock. Oh, God, McMaster. You know what? It's the same with me. I don't update mine either. Well, you know what? Maybe we could... Uh, can you get YouTube on your Xbox 360 here? Oh, yeah. I have the Apple TV, too, so it'll do that as well. What should we watch while we wait for your PS3 to update? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I say drunk history. Oh, good, yeah. I like the Jen Kirkman one where she's doing, uh, I think it's the George Washington thing. Let's, let's, let's search for that. That's great. Wait a minute. How do you, how do you search with Connect? I can't do, Master, here, you do this. Oh, my Connect doesn't work. You can't, you can't do that because my cat's been through the cable. Uh, well, what, whoops. I accidentally found Between Two Ferns. Let's watch that instead. Oh, that's a great one, too. I love the Ben Stiller one. I'm partial to the Bradley Cooper one. The Charlie Theron oh. one is really good too. Yeah, that one was surprising to me how uh, how funny it was. Uh, I really didn't expect it to be as good. And scene, excellent. So there we go. That was an existential knock knock joke. We cannot do that kind of thing now that we are we've hit the big time of Time's most interesting list. By the way, also uh, Time Magazine is the publication. McMaster, who would you guess in 1938 Time Magazine picked as their Man of the Year? Uh, is it Adolf Hitler? Very good. <laughs> so, so we're in some odd company, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, that is a bit of trivia, isn't it? <laughs> how, how did you pull that out of your hat, McMaster? That was good. We didn't even prep for that, and you knew that. Oh, because uh, Hitler was uh, the darling of uh, Germany for quite some time before he started, well, you know, the final solution, etc., yeah, a lot of distasteful stuff that fella did, right? Yeah, yeah, but he was a superstar well before then. So. Right. 
Uh, all right, so McMaster, let's do uh, for this week's quarter to three games podcast some news of the week and games of the week. How do you feel about that? Sounds good to me. What do you have for news of the week, Jason N. McMaster? Well, I mean, there's really a few exciting things that have happened. Uh, however, I guess we could uh, bid a fond farewell to doctors Ray and Bill, or Gre- oh no, Ray and Greg from Bioware. Uh, as they have announced their retirement. And what does this mean for future Bioware games? That it will not have that uh, Ray uh, Mazika. Uh, yeah, I can't say their names. Ray and Greg Touch. And, and you- they're owned by EA. Challenge everything. Right, which they have been for a while, but it seems like now the, uh, the old guard has left the building to go basically hang out on rocking chairs on the front porch. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going to do? Are those guys going to be, like, you get a couple of doctors like that. They're not happy with being doctors, so they make games. And then they make these great games, and they sell the company, and now they're retiring. Like, I think they might now do some, like, maybe they're going to pitch a TV show next. Or I can't imagine these guys, like, not doing something. They seem very driven. Uh, what what should we expect from them next, McMaster? I don't know. I'm thinking Whitland hanging out with Sid Meier. Uh, no, I, I really, I don't know. You know, their their exit messages or their their blog entries uh, both had kind of interesting takes on them. So I, I can, I don't know. I, I can see maybe a comeback, maybe not. Does Canada have? Because they're Canadian. Does Canada have governors? <sighs> you know, I don't know. I think they have. Um, I think they have Knights uh, of Charlemagne. <laughs> so they, they could run for Knights of Charlemagne of Ontario yeah. or whatever state in Canada they live in. Maybe they could try politics next. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. All right, well, my news of the week, also a little Bioware action. Uh, McMaster, how do you feel about them chucking that old adaptation of the Unreal Engine that they've been using for their games and instead going over to the Frostbite Engine, specifically Frostbite 2, which we have seen in... Battlefield 3. How do you feel about Bioware using that for Dragon Age 3? Uh, well, I think there's nothing that bad that could come of them losing the old engine. Um, however, I, I don't know. I mean, if they take advantage of all of it, then you have the chance of then they're just going to spend a whole lot of time on special effects and you know, giving it the uh, the Michael Bay, you know, uh, and or the worry. or that you could also similarly say the Michael Bay or the Bethesda, right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that uh, yeah, okay, you can sit there and shoot an arrow and it sticks in a wall or something, but then what do you got after that? Um, or it could be really cool and used for interactive set pieces and stuff like that that could uh, bring a new feel to the game. Here's what I'm thinking, based on what, like, I, I hear Frostbite 2, and I just think of that amazing Battlefield 3 engine, uh, and what you can do with it, and how well it scales for whether you're flying a helicopter, or you're an infantry dude creeping around in the bushes. Uh, I'm just going to pitch this to you, McMaster, I want to know how you feel about it. Imagine Dragon Age 3 riding a dragon. Well, that would be pretty cool. Because you can't do that in uh, Skyrim. As, as awesome as those dragons are, you can't hop up on one of them and fly around the landscape. Unless that's later in the game and I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm not so uh, I'm not so fond of those dragons after a time either. 
Well, not not necessarily like fighting them, but certainly how cool they look and how awesome oh, yeah. it is when when a big old thing like that stomps down in the middle of whatever you're doing. You know, Dragon's Dogma did that kind of thing. Like I like oh, yeah. I like boss monsters that don't sit and wait patiently in their room. Uh, that will come out yeah. into the open world, and and that's one of the cool things Skyrim did. And so now maybe, you know, flying mounts. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Yeah. I mean, already we've got uh, for Skyrim, we got what the you can have kids and build a house. <laughs> that's very true, Master. Have you played the, what is it called Stonehaven? Have you played the Stonehaven DLC for Skyrim? And if so, uh, what did you call the McMaster Manor? I did not, but um, yeah, it would have to be. I don't know. I, I can't even imagine the name of McMaster Manor, other than possibly McMaster Manor, which is not very exciting, but it worked for Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I don't know that that's what he called his house. Well, he didn't call it Mc. You know, uh, Wayne Manor. Yes, Wayne Manor. Right. Yeah, he didn't call it McMaster Manor in, in honor of Jason. McMaster, do you think people will laugh if I invite them over to Chick Manor? Do you think that'll 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 work? Either either that or you'll get strange looks. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I think people might be disappointed when they come over and they see that it's not what they think it's going to be. Yeah. Welcome into the Chick House. <laughs> Uh, all right, so there's our news of the week. Now, uh, the reason we played, uh, I, I sort of feel like I've had several concurrent full-time jobs recently because of the various games I've been playing, none of which are games that you dabble in. Uh, no. I mean, Master, I know you're in a bit of the same boat, give or take maybe one or two of these games. Uh, so uh, why don't we start with me? All right. Uh, so my game of the week, I actually can't really talk about it until it comes out tomorrow, but I'm going to break the rules. So my game of the week is Torchlight 2, uh, which is a tough game to play when you are also still completely mired in Guild Wars 2, as sure. I know you are, McMaster, when oh, you yes. are discovering uh, a game that I won't mention, because I'm guessing McMaster might talk about it, but it rhymes with <laughs> it rhymes with Orderlands 2. <laughs> yeah. So that's a clue. So playing Torchlight 2 concurrently with these other long leveling up RPG loot chase level grind games is not an easy job. So no. yeah, it's like it's like working in an eighty-hour week. Uh, so uh, but Torchlight 2, which was the one that I expected to like the least, I think, of those three, and not a slam against it. It's just being very excited about Borderlands, about Guild Wars, and about Torchlight. I just kind of, you know, you mentally rank which one do I want to play most, which one would I will wait. Uh, Torchlight 2 is really working for me for some very specific reasons, and those reasons are, they basically come down to the fact that it is not Diablo 3. And I say that as someone who loves Diablo 3, who is convinced, who feels that the things that Blizzard did in Diablo 3 really, really work. You know, I love some of the difficult choices they've made. I love how different Diablo is, Diablo 3 is from Diablo 2. I love their new take on the skill stuff. Um, I was totally won over by Diablo 3. So, Torchlight 2 being sort of older school, I thought, well, it'll, you know, it's not going to work for me as well. But I think that is why I'm really digging Torchlight 2, is because it does things that Diablo 3 didn't want to do, that Diablo 3 wanted to change. And some of those things that Torchlight 2 does are still very valid, very compelling game design choices. And I'll just list a few of them, um, because I think that they are 
they are they're not negative, but they are um, potentially frustrating, or they make the game more difficult or more challenging. Uh, they raise the stakes. So one of the things that Torchlight 2 does that, that right off the bat makes me like it is you can make it difficult early on. Diablo 3, for better or worse, that first playthrough on normal difficulty with your character is this kind of like, you know, 10 to 15 hour tutorial. It's a cakewalk. You never die. There are very few stakes. You're just unfolding. You're basically laying a foundation by unfolding your skills, that, that base level of skills. Um, and as much as I like Diablo 3, I just feel that that's a lot to do to get started. And, and it's led to me playing on uh, hardcore where to sort of artificially inject it with stakes. Uh, so Torchlight 2, you just started on a veteran, or there's one difficulty above that. But you can start your character and, and make things difficult and level faster right off the bat. And I really appreciate that. Uh, they have, and then the skill thing. I was all prepared to think, you know, Diablo 3 gives you your skills, you have all of them in a box, and you just pick at will, pretty much, which skills you want to use. And you tweak them, and it's this very generous, open, toy box approach to character development. You know, McMaster, if you have a level 10 dude and I have a level 10 dude, we have the exact same tools at our disposal. There was never a point where we had to make a choice that would make one of our characters different from the other. Now, how we play them differs, but in terms of what we've unlocked, what are what the tools at our fingertips are, we have the same characters at the same level. Absolutely not the case in Torchlight 2. You know, uh, on one hand, I feel like, holy cats, I'm advancing really slowly, but on the other hand, I feel like every point I spend is an agonizing, excruciatingly difficult choice. Uh, and I... I think there's there's validity to that. I, I like that. I like being forced to make tough choices like that. Uh, Diablo 3, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, McMaster. In Diablo 3, if you were ever like open a chest or break a, a barrel or something, there's no more traps, are there? Didn't they take that out from Diablo 2? I thought there was on occasion. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I could be wrong. I'm trying to think. I, well, there may, yeah, there might be, but I just—it's it, been a while, so I don't. Okay, remember. and that might be something that they don't fold in until later. But I do like so. Sometimes when you open a chest in uh, Torchlight, it's one of those really annoying mimics. You know, you're just used to clicking on chests, whatever, and these little mimics are really tough. So, so when you're going for that little drip feed of free treasure, sometimes it bites you in the ass, almost literally. Uh, and I kind of like that because I, I missed. It's a little annoying mechanic, but it, it mixes things up, keeps things interesting. Uh, I, I I would have thought that I didn't like it, but I kind of like that in Torchlight 2. And there are traps, of course, in Torchlight 2. You open a, a barrel or whatever, and the, the chick or your dude says, Oh, God, it's a trap! And you have to run and get out of there real quick. Um, but I like that they do that. They do, uh, by default, it only shows your critical hits in terms of the numbers, the little damage that floats up. And that's fine, but I like all the feedback of seeing numbers going crazy on the screen. So in the options, you can turn that on. One of the things they do in Torchlight 2, and this is a very minor thing, and you might not even notice it, and it's just another stat that you can play with if you want. And I love playing with stats. Or you can ignore it, and it'll be there, and you probably won't even care, but one of the numbers that will float up from damage sometimes is purple. You know, I think the default uh, color is orange. That's just your basic damage. If you get a critical hit, it's, it's bright blue. And then every now and then, a really low number comes up, and it's purple. And you're like, what? What is that? Those are fumbles. 
<laughs> so I love the idea that some of your attacks in Torchlight 2 are fumbles, and they just do hugely reduced damage, and that's something that you can finesse with your stats. I think uh, I think dexterity counters fumbles, um, but that's that's kind of a negative reinforcement thing. You know, Diablo 3 seems reluctant to punish you, to, to make bad things happen to you, and Torchlight 3, you can make it difficult, you can get bit in the butt by a mimic, you can fumble your weapon, and you can feel like you don't like your, your character build and you've made the wrong choices. I kind of respect those those difficult design aspects, how... how uh, how, how a game can be challenging, and but for the most part, it, it is really uh, it's a it's a friendly, just easy, smooth game. Uh, and my build, I'm uh, there's there's four characters in it, and I've chosen. I think she's called an, an Outlander. Like it's the the gun shooting. Yeah, check. she's really cool. That's who I played uh, in the beta and everything. Ah, now what kind of build do you remember your build? Because similarly to uh, Diablo 3, you just make whatever build you want. Here you make a build and you're committed to it. Uh, so, McMaster, do you remember what kind of build you were playing with her or what kind of skills you got? I do not. It has been a while. Okay. Well, the, the, what I've been doing with her, she, of course, shoots guns. Uh, you have two different weapons, uh, weapons loadouts that you can swap between, of course. Um, so what I've been doing is, of course, playing with dual pistols, and then there's a big old cannon, like a, a two-handed cannon you can carry around. So I have those two different options. Um, but the build that, as I'm playing, has emerged, the idea of this build is that as I kill things, they respawn as, uh, I think they're called darklings, and they're just little purple demon spirit kind of things that then fight for me. So this build is great in terms of wading into a bunch of fairly weak creatures, or any crowd of creatures, because I have a couple of options. I have a, a power that breathes poison breath on them, and then when they die, a darkling spawns. I also have, I have a passive ability, which makes any kill that I get give me a percentage chance of making a darkling spawn. So this is where I've been putting the points, so I can completely kick ass when it comes to wading into a bunch of monsters. I get a few kills, and suddenly the screen is like full of these little purple demons flying around or hopping around, killing everybody else. However, I find it really challenging doing some of the tough like one-on-one -on -one boss fights. Uh, and here's something that I don't like about Torchlight 2. When I'm in one of those situations, it's all about... And I, and I hate this because this is one of the least interesting things in an action RPG. In a tough boss fight for me, and, and probably it's partly my responsibility because of my build, but in a tough boss fight, it is almost entirely about how many health potions I have. And, sure. I, and I just, you know, going back to town to buy 20 health potions at, to brute force through a boss is, is just something I did not miss in Diablo 2. Uh, and I feel there's a fair bit of that in, uh, in Torchlight. Uh, so one of the things I have done, by the way, McMaster, don't tell anyone this, I've, I've bumped the difficulty level down. Oh, no. Yeah, Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Well, at times. Like, you can, you can play your single-player game, and then you can host a LAN game. So I, uh, and you use the same character. So I get stuck in my veteran level single player game and you can't change that difficulty level. And so I, I go host an easier level land game and I've just been grinding a, a, that a little bit to level up. And then I jump back into my uh, veteran level single player game. Uh, nice. But, and by the way, how cool is it? It's so nice. And, uh, Blizzard, 
you know, you guys are jerks. It is so nice to be able to boot up an action RPG like this and, and host a LAN game and see that as an option. You, know, you can play on the Internet, on the LAN, or a uh, single player. Uh, you, you know, uh, Torchlight 2 is nothing if not player-friendly when it comes to that sort of thing. So. Yeah. All right, so there you go. I don't have an alt yet. I'm just doing this Outlander chick. Uh, you, you, of course, get a pet. McMaster, what pet do you choose when you play Torchlight 2? Oh, the cat, dude. Jeez. Exactly. That was kind of a dumb question of me, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so there's my game of the week, Torchlight 2. McMaster, was I correct in predicting that your game of the week rhymes with, with Orderlands? Uh, it rhymes with having a problem with Orderlands. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. Orderlands 2 is certainly my game of the week. Um, I've played up to level 13 now. and I think you're what... Did you play any more last night, Tom? I did grind it away. Oh. I thought it was going to be an easy mission, and it was listed as trivial in the difficulty thing, and it, it was not trivial. I feel like I was sold a bill of goods. It was not... Which, which mission? Uh, I don't, you know, not good as well. This is a cute little thing. Uh, it was just one of the little side missions where a guy comes up to you and he says he's a gyrocopter uh, pilot and that the other gyrocopter pilots won't play with him. And he wants you to go to their base and sabotage, and this is a complete Top Gun ripoff, like a, a Top Gun parody, and there's more oh, of this. Yeah. He wants you to sabotage their volleyball game. I, uh, I actually, I have that quest. I haven't done it yet. Well, it's really cute because they do play with some Top Gun stuff. And how you actually get to the base, uh, I don't want to say anything, but I, the first I was having trouble actually figuring out how to get to the waypoint. And I was like, this game is stupid. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't get up there. I'm going to have to find some hidden entrance. And then I actually read the directions for what you're supposed to do and did a 180 and decided this is awesome. So how you actually get to that mission is pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, so McMaster, I did play a little bit uh i think i am still maybe like a half a level above you oh half a level yeah i'm 13 so you're 13 as well or 14 uh, i think i hit 14 so i'm like 14 oh. 14.2 yeah so we're basically playing our mental age anyway so that's good <laughs> we got that going for us uh or at least our uh, developmental age um but yeah, so Borderlands 2 is quite uh, a good time. One thing I like about it so far is the uh, is the writing, and uh, just uh, well, just about everything. But I really do like the writing. I'm I'm a big uh, I'm I'm pro claptrap. So um, I, I'm definitely pro claptrap. Yeah, claptrap too, McMaster. And you asked me about that when we were playing. I don't understand the anti claptrap faction. How can somebody not like that little guy? I know it's uh, he's he's incredibly obnoxious. I mean that's the whole point. It's funny. Now, the, and the thing is, the moment you asked me about that, McMaster, I realized you were doing one of the little quests, which all it does is unlock your shared character stash. Uh, yeah. And it's just an, an adorable instance of what makes Claptrap endearing, even though he's supposed to be obnoxious. Like, I love that little shtick where he gives you this crazy list of objectives, and instead you just have to walk across the hall and, <laughs> and hit the waypoint. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, no, I love the list of object objectives, too, you know, farm, farm 250,000, uh, God, something, you had to farm something. Like magic rocks, and then you have to yeah. kill the super boss, and yeah, yeah. great list. And the funny thing is, and this is where I'm with you on the writing, McMaster, is they do a little drop-down list of the objectives using the interface. Like, it's not just dialogue that they wrote in, they actually play with that using the actual quest interface, which was really yeah. cute. I like that. 
Uh, yeah, they do that a few times. Uh, that's uh, that I've seen so far. It's pretty cool. Um, there's a it's a really good uh, tongue and cheek component. Yeah. Game. You, you also, when you said something about the writing, uh, I and we were doing a quest for the weird English hunter dude, but yeah. shortly thereafter we met a character who uh, I was like, yeah, this is kind of weird and gross. I don't think I like it, but who I now quite like, uh, Ellie. So, LA. so oh LA. god, oh Scooter's sister, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh Scooter, I love Scooter. He's a he's from the first one. Yeah, Scooter's funny, but Ellie is just this hugely obese, buxom, mannish woman, uh, but with a very chipper, cheerful voice, and she's funny. And I did a quest where you, uh, she's angry because the bandits, she thinks they're making fun of her by putting Ellie hood ornaments on their cars. So you have to run around and kill bandit vehicles to collect the hood ornaments. And when you bring them back to her, she's like, oh, you know what? I do like these. Uh, put them around the base. <laughs> so now whenever I go into Ellie's little mission area, there are all these little Ellie hood ornaments that I've stuck around there. Uh, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, so, Master, let's talk about uh, wh- one of the things while we were playing I kept asking you, because I, I haven't played the original in a while. I know you were you probably played it more than I did. Uh how do you feel it's it sets itself apart from uh, the first Borderlands? What what kind of things are different or not different, or how do you feel about it in comparison to Borderlands One? Uh, I'm I'm very pro so far. Uh, one thing I'm, I really like so far, at least, that it seems that they kind of uh, tweaked the how touchy it was to uh, like equip items that you were looting. So that that feels better. But on top of that, just I love the environment. Um, it's it feels like a much larger area too, with a lot more driving involved. Uh, but the driving feels pretty good. Um, so it's the Halo style, but it's also at the same time pretty uh, pretty uh, pretty good. I like uh, I just like the way it feels. Um, graphically, it, it looks a little slicker, um, but for the most part, I just I really like I like most of it so far what, what do you feel uh well i i uh, just to be a cynical bastard briefly i get a very borderlands 1.5 vibe from things sure. like the, the character progression and the loot uh there's a, there's a lot of inconsequential loot in the game and yeah you know that's a tough thing to design out of a game uh i don't know what you can do one of the cool things that i've seen other games do uh, this is in Guild Wars 2. There's something called a Mystic Forge, yeah. where uh, it's kind of like a Heradric cube, and you can just throw all kinds of things in there, and you can get returns back. There's also crafting, of course, in Guild Wars 2. So when you get loot, you decide, do I sell this? Do I take it apart for its materials? Um, in Torchlight 2, there is a, a guy, I forget what he's called, a transmuter. There's a guy who can transmute things, and it's very much like the Mystic Forge. You have four slots, you can create different combinations of things and you're looking for recipes that transmute them into better things so all of this trash loot uh in these other games you collect it and you have decisions to make about what to do with it whether to get money to transmute it to break it down to crafting materials i feel like borderlands and borderlands 2 never really got down to 
making me care about loot that I didn't want to use. So unless it's a gun that I want to replace one of my other guns with, and that involves a lot of numerical comparison, a lot like some weird, wonky numbers crunching, unless it's one of these upgraded guns, I just don't care about it. I don't really need money. Um, so I feel like I, I wished that they had done something different and better and more refined for their loot chase. Uh, and I'm kind of keenly aware that that doesn't seem to have changed much. McMaster, you mentioned liking the Iridium, which is a new yeah. resource you get. They're little purple nodes, and you spend those on upgrading the size of your backpack and your ammo capacity, basically. Right. It right. just increases your carrying capacity for stuff. That used to be a money sink, but... Uh, you know, part of what that does to me, McMaster, is it makes money even less important. Like, that used to be a money sink in Borderlands, is I need to increase my ammo carrying capacity. Here, it's just part of that iridium thing, so money's even less important to me. So, I don't know, I'm not sold on their uh, their loot, their their economy, well, as it were. We will certainly have to see. I mean, I, I don't know, though. There's quite a bit of game left, so I'm not sure what what is in the future because i haven't seen that much of it well, do you um, think and I, I could be wrong here but do you think that they do any because you don't first of all you don't discover the transmuter in torchlight 2 until act 2 for instance so i'm wondering if maybe later on in borderlands 2 there's more stuff to this economy that they're doing and the gear chase like you're right that we've only seen the very first parts uh and i'm wondering is there more i i, I kind of hope there is uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that opens up in Sanctuary every time you, you do something. So I'm, I'm just wondering if eventually there's something to do with that. But, no, I mean, the Iridium thing is kind of cool. Um, I do uh, – I like it because it does separate the money because, you know, in the old game you had to – well, yeah, actually you ended up just having so much money. It didn't matter in the end. But uh, it was kind of difficult in the beginning. Um, well, it does yeah. – I will say it does – I'm sorry. Go ahead, McMaster. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Well, it does force, like, it does make, you have to make difficult, because you only have so much iridium, you have to make difficult choices and, and focus on one weapon. Because the first upgrade is easy, it's like four of the little chunks, and then it's eight, and I'm assuming after that it's maybe 12 or 16, I don't know. It gets increasingly expensive, so you have to decide, to like, I ha I'm now having to decide, do I want to focus on the assault rifle, or do I want to level each of my main three gun ammo capacities up concurrently um like there's a tough choice there and if i was just throwing money at it which i don't care about and i've got more than i know what to do with that tough choice wouldn't be there so i, I will grant you it does make me feel kind of like i'm building making a character build yeah well and that's one thing too is the original borderlands i don't think had like a communal bank or really a bank at all uh if i can remember correctly ah. um so now, that and the fact that you can buy upgrades to your backpack using Iridium and stuff, and in the original Borderlands, you had to go find them. They were usually on claptrap units, and you had to do like weird side quests to get them. Right. But, uh, yeah, you can just spend to purchase those. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I will say, and I think this is an, an intentional choice that they've made, one of the things you can do with... Uh, this is both in Guild Wars and Diablo 3. Is it in Diablo 3? Uh, it's certainly in Torchlight. There's this uh, sense of enhancing a weapon. Of you, you find a basic magic weapon or whatever, you're going to use this, and you can either put a gem in it. In Torchlight 2, there's a really cool thing called enhancements, where uh, you just give it to a dude, and he randomly gives it a new quality. And it costs a fair bit of money, uh, but you're basically just rolling a die to see what magic item you get, what magic attribute you get put onto the item. Uh, 
border or uh, gearbox seems like has been very intent about not letting you you know they're going to do the gun modifications if you get a badass gun and its limitation is that it's got a tiny clip and you're going to have to spend a lot of time reloading it you can never really work around that for the most part now there are minor things there are certain skills that increase clip size stuff like that but for the most part what you find is what you get and i kind of like that in a way uh, yeah, I do too. Because I'll tell you honestly, I like in Good Wars too. Like I love the game. I've played it. I'm almost eighty now. I'm, I'm like, well, I'm seventy four, almost seventy five. But uh, and the one thing is, I haven't messed with any of the slotting or any of the runes or anything at this point, just because I don't want to waste them. What? You know? Wait a minute. I, hold on. Hold on. We have to put a hold on the podcast here. McMaster, you are running around in Guild Wars 2 without putting, like, runes on your weapons and, and sigils and whatnot on your armor? That is correct. Ugh. I, I do all right. <laughs> Ugh. Well, the reason is I don't want to use something that, like, would be useful. Because, like, I have a few that are worth a good bit. I just don't want to use them on something that I'm going to have to, like, eventually throw away. So I want to get something good before I actually slot my stuff. McMaster, you're just, and I'm the same way, but you're just like a guy who play, goes all the way through an RPG, gets to the end, you know, 80 hours later, and it turns out he has saved up 900 potions and because he was afraid to use them. He was saving them for when they were going to be useful, and then suddenly the game is over. So McMaster, slot that stuff. You can replace it. If you don't like what's in there, replace it with something better. If you need to throw away an item, you can salvage the the runes out of your items. It, McMaster, here's my message to you about Guild Wars 2. You're doing it wrong. Well, <laughs> all right. No, I just have a few. Like uh, I have a few like plus three percent magic find runes. And yeah, stuff like use that, those. They're not they're not gathering interest. Well, when I hit eighty, I'm going to go do all the exploration stuff and also do a bunch of uh, dungeon stuff. So I'm just kind of saving up to get. Together, a pretty rad suit, so I can do but, the magic fine. But you could be availing yourself of that bonus right now. You don't. It's not an either or. You don't have to save it. You can also use it and then use it again later. Ugh, McMaster, I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to put you through Guild Wars Two school. Oh, <laughs> is, that, is that it? Yeah. Oh, hurtful. I, I will just say, McMaster, like that's been a huge part of what I've been doing in Guild Wars is oh, assembling yeah. a set of runes because that's I've been spending a fair bit of money. I talked about this briefly on the auction house, making sure that I get a full set of runes, and I've been easily cycling them when I upgrade my equipment. Uh, it's fairly easy to do, and it's been for me a big part of the character build. So when I hear that someone is is saving that for later, I I feel like I I feel like you're doing it wrong, McMaster. <laughs> well, at this point, I can just save it for another hour or two and hit 80, or however long it takes. <laughs> but, okay, so that said, in Borderlands 2, they don't let you upgrade your weapons. You know, what you find is what you get, so, you know, if you, if you if a weapon has a shortcoming, you're going to have to learn to deal with it. Uh, and I kind and of I, appreciate that. I think they, they do something to that with the badass ranks thing. Like, you, you do get a little bit... So explain how that works, because that's new. That's certainly something very, very new from Borderlands 1. Yeah, I, you know, I'll be honest. I'm not sure exactly how it works. We were talking about this last night. But um, you gain these ranks based on doing little achievements. And each, every so many ranks, you get a point that you can cash in for an overall, or to all of your characters, basically, uh, bonus. Um, and it's permanent. And these things are called badass ranks. And it gives you like five random uh, items to choose from, uh, from a list. 
of what you want to increase. And each rank gives you, well, the first one gives you like 1% or 1.5% or something. And uh, usually the ranks afterwards give half a percent. And uh, it's stuff like quicker reload speed, maximum health increase, um, that kind of thing. Gun accuracy, gun damage, melee damage, uh, movement speed, I believe. But, and so what, one of the things this does is because otherwise, I, and I, I remember this from Guild Wars, or Guild Wars, from Borderlands 1, uh, character progression is really slow. You know, you yeah. so rarely get a skill point, and when you do, you're usually using it to just upgrade one of the skills you've already gotten to make it do a, a few percentage points more of damage or whatever. Like, there, there's the character, the skill tree advancement is so sluggish in Borderlands. So what they've done is they let you make these choices more frequently with those badass tokens. And those choices, as you mentioned, McMaster, they apply across all your characters. They're basically global bonuses that any of your characters get. Um, yeah, and it's a little odd, but it does make me... I already, McMaster, you're the same way. We love those little achievements like Gears of War oh, yes. has that sort of thing. You know, you're filling up that little bar. You're making progress. Every time mm. you kill something, you're making progress towards killing that kind of thing. You're making progress for firing a certain number of bullets from a certain gun. Uh, so you're, and it's constantly giving you little messages about that. So oh, yeah. it, it ties that system into a little drip feed of minor character advancements that happen more frequently than your skill points. So I yeah. do like that quite a bit in Borderlands 2. Yeah. So do I. Uh, it also, if you look through the achievements, it gives you certain things to like try to do to like fill out a tree to get more points quickly and stuff like that. Or you can just go through and play. However, you're you're going to do yeah. it either way. But it gives the that little bit of extra for those of us who are super uh, compulsive about things. Now let's talk classes, McMaster. What class are you playing? I am playing Zero, the Assassin. Mm-hmm. And what and this means for folks listening, this means if you were in a game with uh, with Jason and McMaster, you will be standing back shooting at things, and he will run up right in front of something and get killed by it. Yes. <laughs> I'm constantly like, why is McMaster running? Oh, he's trying to do his melee. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so many area of effect abilities right now, but I've been increasing my health mostly because uh, the assassin has a lot of health increasing stuff. So, mm-hmm. now what are you uh, spending your skill points on? Is that a skill point thing to boost your health? That and uh, well, every time I can in badass ranks, I do. But uh, yes, also the skill points. One of his uh, top line skills increases his melee damage as well as his maximum health. I see. So you're just asking for it. You're just right. asking for things to punch you. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. At our level, we've basically unlocked two skills. Like, at this point, there are basically two skills we can put points towards. Uh, so, that's that, so McMaster, you're going for boosted health, boosted melee? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, mostly for the health, so that, like, I can make it through the uh, first part of the game. But, I, I mean, I certainly like the melee look. Yeah. Though, you can freely, I think, respect for money. Uh, so, hey, there's a there's a money chase for you. Well, that's, uh, that's a good point, because, McMaster, when we first played our co-op game, for whatever reason, it had refunded. And this might be there had been an update to the game or something, but for whatever reason, it refunded all of my skill points when I jumped into a game with you. Now, this didn't happen when I then went back to single player, but but you can respec somewhere. There's someone in town you can throw money at, and they give you your the, point. Um, if I'm right, I think it's the personalization. Ah, uh, uh, you know what, you're place. right. I think isn't the bottom entry respec points? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, I think you pay for that, uh, so that could be one place. Uh, however, yeah, it... 
it does give you that option. Uh, so maybe I should go for something else. Uh, I like the melee, but I could go for maybe pistols or a rifle or something. Hey, you know what? I thought you were doing a fine job keeping things off of me. I'm like, let, let it, you run up there and get beat up. I'll just hang back here and shoot. Yeah. I have a yeah, I have a decoy as well, so that that helps sometimes. Not as often as you'd like, but it does help sometimes. Right. Is that your uh, left bumper trigger? By the way, we're playing on the 360. Uh, is that your left bumper trigger trigger? Yes. Ability? Okay. So right, yeah, that one's that, and then uh, oh yeah, right button's the grenade. Um, but. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing with him. How are you liking the siren this time? First of all, uh, I noticed that I'm no longer a siren. They, At some point, I equipped what's called a class mod, and they decided to call me something other than a siren, which I am not really thrilled with because... It's, uh, it's nurse. Nurse, yes. So I'm technically a nurse. That's really adorable. Uh, <laughs> so you're the one that told me to play the siren, McMaster, and I took your advice. Uh, and I'm, I'm loving her, uh, even though she's now a nurse. Uh, so the bumper ability that I've got, and I think you and I have both enjoyed this quite a bit, uh, is to freeze something oh, in, yeah. is it called Psylocke or Phase Shift or Phase, phase Lock? lock. Phase, lock. phase Lock. No, you're right. And it's the same, uh, it's that same ability from Mass Effect where you raise something into the air. Uh, and it, what is that in Mass Effect? It's some biotic, bioticizing. What did you call oh, it? Oh God, what is it? Uh... This is one of those things, Master, where I know that there are like literally a hundred people at this point <laughs> listening to the podcast, yelling the answer to us. Yeah. Uh, what was that called? We'll just call it bioticization. Sure, uh, that sounds good. <laughs> so phase lock, you simply freeze something in a bubble, lift them up in the air, they're helpless. So for the most part, this can just take them out of the equation briefly. You're uh, uh, mezzing or stunning a mob, as you might say in an MMO. You're just making it where it can't attack you back, so you can attack other things. But with points on my skill tree, what I've done is anything that's locked in there, while I've got something locked in there, I fire faster and hit harder with my guns. So I get a, a, a brief buff while something is phase-locked. But furthermore, if I or any of my teammates happens to kill something while it's phase-locked, it pops like a great pinata, and it spits out free health. It heals us. Yes. Uh, so I thought we had a great synergy going, McMaster. We'd be playing, we'd be fighting, and I don't know about you, but when you, I'm assuming you would see that that monster fly up in the purple bubble, and you would think free health, and and I would see you trying to shoot it. And can oh, you yes. can you melee those guys? By the way, am I knocking them out of your melee range? No, I can. I can. Okay, good. It's just good. that sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes I want to set them on fire. Right. Yeah, uh, so so that's the that's my nurse in action there. Oh, by the way, McMaster, I just want to say, so since I did play a little bit last night, I am no longer a nurse. I oh. found a different set of... I did some quests that gave me three awesome class mods. Uh, and class mods, by the way, I really respect how they can tweak how you're playing your build. You know, a class mod gives you some global benefit, but it also improves two of your skills. So even though your skills advance slowly, a good class mod can really help your character build. Now, these won't help me until I unlock these skills later in the game, so they're from much farther down the road. But it, I, I, in addition to being a nurse McMaster, I can now be instead a, uh, oh, what was the name of it? It's something like a resolute matriarch. Oh, so that's what wow. you're going to see under my name next time we play Borderlands 2. Uh, no longer a nurse, I've been upgraded to a resolute matriarch. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a I'm a professional. Like a prostitute? 
Yeah, you keep saying that, but uh, I don't. I don't think that's what it is. I don't so think it means what you think it means. You think it means like Jean Reno? Uh, yeah. Because that movie, The Professional, is Jean. Yes, Reno. I would think more like that, but probably less milk drinking. <laughs> not it. Not not as French. Right, right, right. <laughs> and Natalie Portman is not in it. Uh, all right, so uh, Borderlands Two, uh, your uh, game of the week, well, Torchlight yes. Two, and uh, and yeah, God, these are such full time jobs. McMaster, so are you over Guild Wars Two? You're not because no. you're close to the level limit. But as soon as you hit the level limit, you're done, right? Done. No, I'll probably start doing all the collecting stuff at that point. I want to do all the exploration bits. And you probably uh, should consider slotting some of those sigils and runes and and, and whatnot. I'll do that, too. Um, I'll do it wrong, just to irritate you, but I'll do it. <laughs> uh, now, and then also, uh, there's the, the structured PvP. I'll probably jump into that as soon as I hit 80 as well. I will say we had some... Hey, I just heard a cat. Was that Murray? Yeah, that was Murray fighting with another cat. That Murray, too- no. Uh, pick that cat up and rub it on its tummy, McMaster. Oh no! It's. I think Murray was getting jumped, so uh, I. It seems to be fine now. All right. The <laughs> rockets has calmed down. Okay. Wanted to make sure there was no crisis over there. Yeah. No. no. So uh, we had someone on the forums at quarter to three, and I, I forget who this was. I apologize for not being able to credit this person, but he pointed out that when you jump into a normal structured PvP game in Guild Wars 2, and these are the uh, arena battles, basically, where it's like uh, 8 versus 8. Uh, a lot of them are capture. You, you capture a point and you hold it. Um, then when you jump into the 8v8, uh, it gets a little wild, because with that many, with 16 players, uh, each person matters that much less. You're only one sixteenth of the equation. He pointed out that when you go into the tournaments, it's 5v5, so it's only ten. It's almost it's almost half as many players. So therefore, each player has that much more input. It's not about a zerg of you know the most people on your team banging into the most people on their team. Your right. your choice of build, your decision whether or not to engage or grab points is just that much more important. And he pointed out that he feels that it fares much better when you play that way. Uh, so that's one thing I'm looking forward to getting into because I've fiddled very little with the tournaments. I've just been do- jumping into the big old 8v8 games. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I want to try that. I've done two tournaments, uh, and they're pretty they're pretty good time. Uh, and it is certainly a lot more structured. It's not just running around like crazy, and you have to watch out uh, for your teammates and everything. So it, there's certainly that different feeling, of course, from world versus world because good grief. You know, that's just one giant mob. But uh, it, it certainly makes my class, the Thief, a lot more interesting, too. Ah, I can imagine, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh, good Lord, I can imagine how annoying you must be, McMaster. I'm pretty annoying, yeah. I find Thief so annoying, even in World v. World. I'm just, like, running around trying to play the game, and suddenly some guy's, like, magically killing me, and I can do nothing about it. That's, that's hardly fair. The only characters that I've ever had a problem with is a Mesmer. The only reason that is is because I will kick the hell out of the Mesmer if they've got their little stupid clones around them, and they'll sometimes knock me out before I can kill the Mesmer. It really is awesome to see a uh, Mesmer and think that you're fighting, like, four dudes. Like, like Mesmers, oh. Mesmers will swell out the ranks, and uh, it's kind of like the way they built those fake planes on the coast of England to make the Germans think that they were going to invade somewhere else. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Mesmers are like that. It's a bunch of fake characters. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely, and you'll start fighting one, then you're surrounded, and it's just irritating. <laughs> 
So but every, every other class just kind of either lays down and dies or tries to run for the most part. Right. Uh, uh, now, in structured PvP, in the tournaments, uh, you're, you are playing... You, you are Some of the people you play against are preset groups, right? I actually don't know. I think it makes a difference how you queue. Like, I think if you queue solo, it tries to match you up against other people to queue solo. Ah, think, good, good. I think that's true, because if I remember correctly, we queued a bunch of quarter three people that one time you and I played, and we got just destroyed. That was just a little, destroyed. yeah. And, and that's what I was worried about, is if, it, if it's five pickup people, just five random people thrown together against a team of five, that can't be very fun. Uh, yeah, I haven't had many problems queuing solo. In fact, I've finished either first or like on the first or second team in a match once or twice, and uh, it's pretty neat. Um, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to playing with it after I get you know level eighty and do all my other fancy stuff. I just so you know, McMaster, you can play before you're level eighty. Oh, I know, I know. In fact, I'm already like level two or three in PvP. I don't remember. Right. Uh, I'm level four. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, McMaster, what are we going to bring folks next week on the Quarter to Three Games podcast? Uh, let's see. XCOM isn't out yet, so I'm thinking probably more Torchlight, Borderlands 2, and Guild Wars 2 talk. But I'm thinking news and games in general. Yeah. I like the sound of that. So join us for that next week. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Jason in McMaster. And we'll talk to everyone next week. McMaster, when we play uh, Borderlands 2 next... Uh, yeah. I need you to be in charge of just uh, going through my inventory and comparing the numbers. And anything that's not as good as the other guns, I want you to put it in pile B. Okay. Anything that is as good as the other guns, put in pile A. So I d- basically, I need you to do some filing in my inventory, some light filing. Can you can you yeah, handle I, that? Yeah, I think they're actually coming out with a new class for that. I know they have the Macromancer, but I think they have like a light storage and cleaning class coming out. Yeah, yeah. so I need you to roll up a light storage and cleaning class and put all your skill points in filing for me. Filing, yeah, so, so it's just it's less uh, X button taps, so I'm all for that too. Okay, good, yeah. And and then, you know, on your, on your off time, then you can level up your uh, your assassin. Okay, I can do that, yeah. Cool. Yeah, but when you're on the clock, filing. Just lots of filing. Sure, yeah, as long as I get filing experience. <laughs> What they call it, and you stand.